companies that set out to change the world should stand for something, something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring feng shui and the uncluttered life. Every shamanic tradition has a provision for setting space. Whether it's living space or ceremonial space, the four directions, heaven, earth, and center, are all taken into account while designing the location to flow with the power of nature. The same is true of ancient synagogues, mosques, temples, cathedrals, pyramids, mounds, standing stones, and so on. My Lakota teacher was ever mindful of the placement of things in his home or in the sweat lodge. If it wasn't cleared, blessed, or have purpose, it was not present. He once told me that if we're not grateful for our belongings and careful to pass them on when they no longer serve, that they will block the flow of spirit and poison our space. He had very little and appeared to want even less. Yet everything he had, he treated with reverence and careful placement. Well, I remember the old rusted coffee can with a baling wire handle that he used to smudge sweat lodge participants before they entered the structure. It was handled as if it were the most precious and ornate brazier in the Vatican. Why this cross-cultural age-old attention to space and placement? Is it superstition? Or did the ancients understand something that we've forgotten about the power of aligning with the flow of nature? In an attempt to unravel this mystery, we'll compare modern approaches to design, the teachings of shamanic traditions, and the ancient practice of feng shui. With us this hour to represent the feng shui part of the equation is Tisha Morris, best-selling self-help author, feng shui expert, and trained interior designer, life coach, energy healer, and yoga instructor. She's the founder of Earth Home School of Feng Shui. Her latest book is Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. Her website, trishamorris.com. Trisha, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank you so much. Uh, it's my pleasure. How did you get involved in feng shui? 
Well, it's it was a I, I always say I came in through the back door. Uh, <laughs> I uh, first, by the way, that was such a beautiful introduction of of space and uh, really incorporating the different traditions. That was uh, I really enjoyed listening to that. Thank you. Um, oh, thank you. So I I first was uh, a practicing attorney and uh, a very unhappy practicing attorney at that. And um, I was trying to figure out what to do differently. And so I went to into design school. I uh, was drawn to <clears throat> two spaces, two homes. It was the first time really in my life where I really went towards uh, what felt what I what felt right or what felt fun or what felt interesting. So I kind of followed it really for the first time. Um, but then I was a little bit uh, <laughs> disappointed in that when I was almost finished with my degree, I ended up finishing it out, but I realized I did not want to be an interior designer. It was too, it was still too technical. I, um, it's a lot more technical than a lot of people realize. Um, and so, but around that time, I started doing lots of yoga and um, always call yoga the gateway drug into the healing arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it is, yeah. Yes, so that was it for me. I began to understand, you know, this unseen world of energy and going on, and I got into energy healing. And then around that time, I bought a house that needed a complete renovation. And I hear this a lot from 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 clients and, and readers of my books now that they have experienced a similar thing where as they start to renovate a home, their life really starts to change as well. They, they You undergo a simultaneous renovation in, with your home. So this happened for me and and I, I, I wrote all these these synchronicities, or call it synchronicities, or this in, um, correlation of my energy and the home's energy being renovated at the same time. And because um, and, I knew it needed to be a book one day, and it did become a book one day. Um, and so I, I started to see, and it showed up in my dreams, and, I, and this correlation of our energy and our home's energy. And I was just, this is, was really fascinating to me. I delved in it more and more and more and, and, and realized that it's called feng shui. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what exactly is feng shui? Yes, well, you gave such a great uh, introduction or explanation of it. Um, it's, it could be hard for me to, uh, to do any better than you did. Um, you know, it is about aligning our home's energy with that of nature. And, you know, nature nature everyone's trying to live closer to nature and yet stay within the comfort four walls air conditioned or heated space at this time of the year um as possible and uh, in my uh, last book decorating the five elements of feng shui um, i really delved into integrating the natural world with our home space and that's a big part of feng shui for me is um in the original intent well there were actually the original intent of feng shui was to locate auspicious sites uh, for actually first for for the dead for um, to, to uh, for burial grounds, and then secondly for living, and then it's more in our modern era that we actually have brought it into the house into the home. So what we think of feng shui is actually a definitely a more modern uh, take on it. And so how we see feng shui now is aligning our space um, to the the good the good chi the good fortune the good auspicious energies. Um, that are that are um, around us. So, I oh, go ahead. Oh, it's okay. Where did it originate? Uh, feng shui originated in China, and the actual date is is unknown because it was ne- it was only passed down orally. It was never written down um, for the first thousand several thousand years or so, um, and so it, there's no actual start date. But you know, I think cultures around the world were practicing a version of of it. Um, probably at the same time before it was really written down because all cultures have had a reverence towards space. And, mm-hmm. and you really spelled it out really nicely in the, in the introduction with the Lakota uh, traditions and such. And so you have, you know, all, all cultures have some have some uh, reverence uh, for that and they call it different things. And in Hindu, it's Vastu and um, <clears throat> the Balinese have the 
all these space clearing bells that they're known for. The Native Americans have this, the smudging and, and things like that. I think it's honestly, it's really in our Western world, but I'm going to pick on the United States for a second, where we've kind of like finally jumping on, uh, jumping on the uh, figuring out that space is really important. And we're even seeing this in the, in the business world of how, you know, these um, forward thinking corporations are really um, putting a lot more, uh, consciousness and emphasis on the on space on function and environment yeah you said something that kind of perked my ears um it sounds like we're doing this backwards of the way it was originated you said it was used first to pick a, a spot on the planet to create then something versus uh go into a spot and try to align it with the energy could you go into that a little more is it or we're working with ley lines here yeah um so feng shui translates to wind water so feng shui is wind water and that's because it's all about the land uh, feng shui always starts with the land so it's how the the wind and water shaped the land and so they would look at the actual land to see where the the auspicious sites were yeah i think you're right there were probably other cultures using ley line type techniques for a similar in a similar way um, but the the chinese through feng shui would look at the land, the land formations, um, you know, with the mountains and valleys, and which you know is yin and yang. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. Animal totems uh, to name the different land formations. Um, so, and you know, I find this even today uh, in, in, in a very modern application. When I go to uh, the suburbs and I go to a subdivision and I go to my client's house, and in their backyard is where all the drainage from the neighborhood stops. You know. That's not ideal land. Go up. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like, you know, the green, you know, the, the green dragon, the white tiger and all these things that we look at in very traditional feng shui that don't seem applicable um, anymore uh, show up in very, very modern ways. So how much does, um, or does it at all, sacred geometry have? I know a lot of the cathedrals, a lot of the, the major structures were built with sacred geometry as well as ley lines and energy flow in mind. How much does that have to do with feng shui? Oh, wow. I love sacred geometry. It, it's not really uh, technically part of feng shui, um, but again, it's, it is about energy and spaces. I think sacred geometry was probably more used as far as in, in the way we think of it, probably in more of the uh, European uh, areas um, early on with geomancy and, and finding the ley lines. And so I think, so I think that is another version of different cultures um, doing some similar things. Mm. Well, you know, sacred geometry is very linear while feng shui, wind and water is very soft and yin. Yeah. So feng shui is actually comes out of Taoism and Taoism is kind of the the overarching um, uh, or the umbrella over Chinese medicine. And under Taoism is where we get acupuncture and um, a lot of other Chinese medicine modalities. And so feng shui falls under that. So an acupuncturist and a feng shui expert can talk the same language, which is the five elements, um, yin and yang. And so so yes, if yin and yang are the are the the cornerstone or foundation of feng shui and of course, yang is the, the divine masculine, yin being divine feminine. And on those principles show up in your home on a very, very, um, very literal um, way. And it's a, it's a, and so you can see that also in the land. I'm looking out my window and I see, you know, a big mountain and then it valleys into more of a yin area. Um, so all these principles, um, while they seem kind of uh, theoretical or very practical, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just about a time in this segment. But, you know, when we come back, I'd like to go into the masculine and feminine and why it's so important to blend them rather than just have everything either, um, you know, all straight lines or all curves. You know, it seems like yeah. we, we dance between the two and never seem to get the two blended in this culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'd love to. Yeah, great. Well, it is that magic moment time for our short break. But first, let me tell you about an exciting upcoming provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment, shamanic style. Pathome Shamanic Art School, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the key, Ancients, Key to Tomorrow, and Children of Tomorrow, Galactic Gatekeepers, are revolutionary affordable series of online classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition. They'll be coming soon to find your path home Com. So stay tuned to be the first to experience these amazing classes. Again, that address is findyourpathhome.com. 
Tisha and I will be back shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. We're aired daily on xzbn.net. Prior episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Do you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiyaka. Our special guest this hour is Tisha Morris, feng shui expert and author of Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. Her website, tishamorris.com. Tisha, we were about to go into uh, the balance between masculine and feminine and how it's expressed in uh, feng shui. Absolutely. I love uh, talking about yin and yang. And what, you know, my, my, one of my, my first book or my second book was called Mind, Body, Home. And I'm, I named it that for several reasons, but um, mainly because everything applies to us on the mind level, the body level, and the home level. It's all the same principles showing up in different ways. And yin and yang is, such, is one of the best examples of that. We all have yin and yang within ourselves. We have it in our mind by the right and left brain. And we have it in our home. And as you mentioned before the break, Really, we're all striving, whether we know it or not, uh, towards a balance of of the yin and yang within ourself. And um, you know, the, it really the right and left brain is is pretty much uh, the the best example that we're familiar with. But also, our in our body, we have a right side and a left side. The left side is the feminine, the right side is the masculine. We all have qualities of both, and we attract to. Um, the person, our our partner, or um, if we're in a relationship, has the mirroring, the exact opposite mirroring, um, yin and yang within within them. So, which is why people feel like they've found their other half. It's because they have found the other the other balance, yin yang balance, uh, to make themselves whole. <laughs> and so, you can this shows up in our house as well with yin yang. The the biggest way you can see yin yang in your house is the lighting. Uh, the sun is the biggest yang producing <laughs> thing we have on our planet. Um, and then yin would be more darker, uh, darker spaces. And everyone's drawn to a different. So even though I say we're all trying to strive toward um, having a balance of the two, we're really balancing out ourselves. So if someone um, and, and it, what tends to happen is like attracts like. And if I have a lot, if I tend to more yang, then I'm going to like more yang space. Um, and this is where uh, we can use feng shui or use our interiors to help balance us out. And so if I notice, if I find, uh, so I live in a desert where it's like sunny, like, you know, all year round. And especially in the summer when it's way, way 
way too hot <laughs> and which is all very yang energy. And so I'm going to, I'm going to crave a little bit more yin energy, um, to help balance out. Uh, so, so the regions, uh, areas of the country or areas of the world also have yin and yang. Uh, the city of LA, um, or New York is very yang. Uh, even the way the, the streets are very gridded, very straight line streets. Whereas, for example, San Francisco would be more yin. Um, they have more, um, you can see the streets are more, have more of a curve to them. Um, the, the city's built more on a hill, um, hills. Um, and so the yin-yang and it is, a, is a, there's a lot of factors to look at. Um, so that counterbalancing, um, and I, I, I'm sure we're not talking about uh, being a man or being a woman, but the balance within each of us, um, night and day, light and dark, um, uh, active and passive, can be counterbalanced by the way we arrange our homes and the lighting in our homes? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, that's one, you know, feng shui, there's so many uses for it, but I, I look at feng shui as a, as a healing modality. And to me, it's kind of been lost out of the holistic, uh, holistic pie of modalities. Um, but yeah, we can arrange our home or, or, or make changes in our home that, that help balance out our energies. So, um, in my book, Decorating the Five Elements of Feng Shui, I, uh, so yin and yang, and then under yin and yang, we have the five elements, which breaks down yin and yang energy into a little more, more of a fine, fine tuned. And so in that book, you can find out what element you are, and then you can decorate per your element. Uh, and so, but see what, what tends to happen is, for example, a fire element, which is the yang, which is very yang will sometimes be drawn to a lot of fire in their interiors. And that is going to make you too fiery. It's going to overbalance or um, make you out of balance um, to where it's, it's better to bring in some water to cool you down. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So, um, you know, another thing that, that comes to me is I'm, I'm, I'm a neat freak. Um, and a lot of mine is, I think, because of a head injury. If I have too much going on around me, it just clutters my mind. But I'm also a clean freak. And I find that cleaning and, and arranging things frequently keeps the energy flowing. Would you speak to that? Yes. Well, first of all, you're probably a metal element. <laughs> they are our organizers. Um, they they like a pristine environment, very clean and orderly. Um, you can always um, you can always depend on them being on time. So that that's probably uh, definitely your your type. Um, and so, yeah, you know, well, so my my book that's about to come out, Clutter Intervention. Um, I spent a lot of time talking about clutter, but I did not leave you guys out, the, 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 the clean freaks. Um, and because and so I, my, um, my mom was a clean freak. She was very organized. Um, but that does not dismiss the opportunity for you two to have clutter. <laughs> <laughs> because Just because it's organized doesn't mean there's too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, Sometimes it's the quality of the, the items that you're keeping, so to speak, the, the uh, emotional or energetic quality of the item as opposed to the quantity. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, my, my goal when using feng, feng Shui is that you love every inch of your home. And that's, you know, our energy in our space being, being at its best is the best Feng Shui, in my opinion. Oh, um, so, so let me see if I got this right. So... It's what the articles and the placement elicit from us rather than what they do to the energy that's important. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, there's a, it's probably a, a both, it's a both statement or an and statement instead of an or. Uh, because sometimes, you know, our shadow sides can show up in our home. And so sometimes, you know, we can, you know, put a picture of a sword going through a heart in our love corner and, <laughs> and wonder why we're not finding love. Uh, <laughs> So our shadows do show up in our home, but but for for um, overall we want to love our home. Our our own energy um, is a big part of the energy in our home, and so our space should um, support us, not challenge us. Uh, and unfortunately, so many people come home and there's there's uh, their home uh, does not have that that feeling of of 
of support. So like if there's angst between people in the home, um, that's going to affect the feng shui, whether, no matter how perfectly it's set up. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, you know, I'm not sure which comes which comes first, because because bad bad feng shui, that's, I, don't, I never use that term, but <laughs> bad feng shui can, can promote uh, arguments in some ways. If it's a bad floor plan flaw, it's a floor plan flaw, or um, something's off with the uh, with the feng shui, then then yeah, it will be an attractor to negative energy. Um, but what's interesting, it's like it is a chicken or the egg because we don't just end up in spaces with bad feng shui. You have to be a vibrational match to it. And so, ah, so you yeah. create what you're putting out there. Yes. Mm. So you must have already been, or the person in our example, uh, would be prone to having arguments um, to, to, to be attracted to a house that had a bad floor plan that, you know, that, that promoted negative energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Would you mind d- defining negative energy? We hear a lot about it, but let's, let's define it. What exactly is it? Well, you know, technically energy is, I mean, it's in our, it's just in our, um, in our layman's words of energy being good or bad, because energy is not good or bad. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very scientific, you know, it's, it's on a scale of dense, dense energy to light energy. And so I think you typically think of dense energy as being bad and light energy as being good. Um, in feng shui, we're, we're, we're always talking about the dense energy or, or calling it bad because that's usually what we're trying to clear. Uh, and why are we trying to usually clear the, the dense energy? It's because it's the dense, dense energy that gets uh, stuck. <laughs> Light energy just kind of goes around and it's happy and it bounces around and does, does nice, fun things. The dense energy gets stuck in corners. It gets, um, it's, it's, it's heavy. And, so stagnation? Uh, yes. Yes, exactly. So what, what's, what uh, effect long-term does stag, stagnant energy have on a person's life and health? Well, it can definitely affect health for sure. Um, and these are, you know, when I go into a home, a client's home, I'm looking, I can kind of go in as a detective and uh, based on what, what, what issues they're having. And I can, I, I, the floor plan is a big indicator of things, how they've arranged furniture, uh, can affect things. Uh, but also the history of the house or what, what, what has taken place in the home, uh, regarding any dense energy that needs to be cleared. Um, and so clients come to me for various reasons, money, uh, money problems, health problems, relationship problems. And so all of these are mirrored in our, in our home. Oh, so you could almost use it like a diagnostic tool. Exactly. It can, you can use it as a, well, more people should use it as a prevent, preventative medicine tool, <laughs> <or a> preventative <laughs> life, <laughs> life tool. Um, most people come to feng shui, uh, unfortunately, on the, on the other end of it, after things have gone bad. And a lot of people come to feng shui because they last resort. So many people move into a home and suddenly they lose their job, health issues or, or whatever the case is. And they, they, even if they've never known anything about feng shui, can connect the dots of ever since we moved to this house, dot, dot, dot. And, uh, and so they, they, they're making their own mind-body-home connection. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. You know, another thing is I wonder how much feng shui and stuck energy um, has to do with what we consider to be hauntings. Oh, absolutely. So this dense energy that I was describing or the stagnant energy, it, 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 it gravitates kind of like dust bunnies. <laughs> you know, there's those spots in your house where all the like, cobwebs and dust bunnies uh, um, attract to. Well, that's that's actually a visual indicator of some dense energy. It's not necessarily you have a ghost, but um, it's those it's those areas of the house where you can bet stagnant energy tends to to go to. And so, what kind of ghosts or hauntings is is you know a lot of times it's some kind of trauma uh, traumatic energy. Uh, trauma is a dense energy, and and if there's been a trauma of a varying varying it's a spectrum of trauma. And it's a spectrum of dense energy. It perhaps it's in the living room corner. Well, it's going to attract 
uh, like attracts like. So if there's more uh, dense energy, it's going to attract more, and, and over time it gets bigger and, and, and bigger perhaps. Um, but the amount of trauma that it was is more likely for 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 a haunting or a ghost type ghost like uh, situation to uh, to happen. Anytime that I have um, ghost ghost activities with clients, um, there uh, it's always in an area of the house that's quote bad feng shui. <laughs> well, we're going to have to talk about hauntings on the other side of a commercial break because okay. it's time for another short pause. Tish and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so don't go away now. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network, where new and exciting things are always happening. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creating solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Tisha Morris, feng shui expert and author of numerous books. Her latest, Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. Her website, tishamorris.com. Tisha, we were talking about ghosts, and you know, you wouldn't think that a, a feng shui discussion would lead us to ghosts, but... Um, and I don't want to take too much time, but I do want to cover one interesting part about it. And you were talking about stuck energy. And so we say we have a trauma that gets stuck in a corner of a house. Then we respond to that trauma because we can pick it up on some level. And then do we actually feed it because we start believing in it and responding to it and creating our own ghosts? Yes. <laughs> Very well said. <laughs> Now, sometimes the the trauma the trauma could be the trauma within the if, if you know depending on the sophistication of the entity it could be it could be stuck because of unfinished business, um, which those are always very fun. <laughs> um, but but usually it's actually you know there's a spectrum of ghosts of how sophisticated they are. Um, you know if they're pretty sophisticated, then you you know it's possible to see an apparition of it. Um, the less sophisticated is just more of a um, some random noises and things like that. 
And, and as I was saying, there's always a correlation of where they hang out um, and the feng shui. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's actually, it's, it's, it, there's a, there's almost a domino effect. There's also usually in a, in a, it's also that starts with the land, as I was saying earlier, there's, there's usually something under the land that's um, what I would call not, not like, not the ideal land that attracts uh, the energy to begin with. Mm, okay. And okay. then from there, it's like, like energy attracts like energy. And so um, then there's probably a floor plan issue in that same area. And then believe it or not, what tends to happen is that's also where the homeowners, their clutter ends up. It's like, just becomes this magnet of dense energy. It's really, it's really uh, fascinating to me when I see it. <laughs> so when you walk into somebody's house and there's a pile in the corner, there's your clue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> funny like, is that? Follow the, you know, follow the breadcrumbs, you know? <laughs> so, so tell me, Trish, how do we exercise the demon? Well, <clears throat> I find it to be a case by case basis. And, um, you know, I have a uh, feng shui school where I train people to become feng shui consultants. I have not yet come up with a, a way to teach ghost busting yet. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the key. I'll give you a key. <clears throat> There's always a vibrational match to the homeowner and the ghost for some, on some level. Oh, interesting. And, and just like you, uh, it's a boundary issue at the end of the day of allowing other energy in your space. And in the same way but that we, um, <clears throat> it's almost like allowing someone to store their junk in your house. Mm-hmm. That's what the vibrational match of having a, a, a ghost in your house is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so tell me, uh, let's change um, uh, gears a little bit here. Right. How do you, how is, what's the best way feng shui can support your average person? You know, I've been starting to use it, <clears throat> excuse me, as a manifestation uh, tool. Mm-hmm. Our home is just a reflection of ourself. And if your home is a reflection of yourself from 1995, then that's what you're going to get back. And so this is where I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, really working with the clutter. And I, I view clutter as anything that's not, uh, not serving you now or in the future. And so mm-hmm. if you think okay. about Everything in your home, unless you just came home today from somewhere, is is made up of items that you've purchased from the past, and they're representative of who you who you are and have been up to this moment. And <clears throat> any moment you can change that. And there's lots of things, <clears throat> excuse me, in your house that that you still love and still use, and they're still functional and that you like, and you want to go forward with those. But there's a lot of items. That, that don't fall into that category that represent the past, uh, whether it's from a past relationship, a past job, uh, a past association with um, a city, or, or maybe a story in your life that you keep, you keep on repeat. And everything in our home should reflect who we are now <clears throat> or who we want to be. Interesting. So how does gifts fit in with this? You know, it seems like we, we, we take gifts for granted, and I don't mean that we don't, aren't grateful for them, but people don't really understand the energy of gift giving. In other words, one of the things I teach shamanically is if you're going to give somebody a gift, make sure you've pulled all of yourself and all of your agendas and expectations off of it so that it's clear for them to repurpose. And we don't do that. So somebody gives us a gift and there's all sorts of agenda hanging over it. What kind of effect does that have on our environment yeah the gosh gifts are so tough i have a whole section on gifts um and they're really what well, here's the thing they when we struggle if we receive a gift that we don't really like and it brings up all kinds of emotions guilt being one of them guilt about getting rid of it um obligation to have to keep it uh this is actually also a boundary thing um, on both sides, if the, yeah, if the giver is giving it uh, conditionally, uh, then yeah, that's going to set up for some problems energetically. Um, or if the receiver has guilt in giving it away and therefore, you know, hangs a picture on their wall and they see it every day, that's allowing a boundary to be crossed. And so I, I love your approach. I mean, like being really intentional about and, 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 and detaching from uh, from it once you give the gift. Yeah, I think that's 
um, really essential. What, what, what tends to happen though, whatever energy is involved in that gift is the same energy that's mirrored in that relationship, whether it's friends, um, mother and daughter, um, partners, whatever the case is, it's just a representative of some underlying shadow energy between the two people. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here's an, here's the other side of that. Um, the other thing that I teach is because, you know, I, okay, when you're decluttering, you're getting rid of stuff. But isn't it very important to make sure that you're ready to get rid of it, number one, and number two, pull all of your energy out of it before passing it on? Yes, absolutely. I'm a big proponent of, you know, really blessing items, saying thank you and goodbye, really having a very intentional uh goodbye ceremony <laughs> then that'd be a ceremony everyone approaches the things differently and how they want to uh, how they want to get rid of it but yeah being doing it very intentional and and you're right our our things hold our energy this is why it's often so hard to get rid of things is because it holds our energy and i, I actually find this especially true for men uh that's men are actually not to stereotype but i just see it too often to not point it out um, because men don't process their emotions quite as much as women, their things hold their emotions much more than their, their than the women than the women. And so, you know, getting rid of a, a jacket from college is like the same as getting rid of their left arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's amazing how we we project value, our personal value, into the things. Then, if we get rid of them because we're trying to declutter we're kind of scattering ourselves across the, the, the planet. Uh, is, there a way to, is there a way to go back and recollect yourself, even though you've been doing this for 50 years? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. I actually have a meditation on my website of reclaiming your energy from spaces. So the same, same thing you're talking about, but from we do this with our spaces when we move, uh, when we move away. You know, it's funny, we talk all, all the time about space clearing and, you know, clearing, you know, smudging out the previous owner's energy. Well, what about all of our energy that we left in spaces? <laughs> exactly. Are we smudged out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had clients that are just totally disoriented once they move. They don't feel at home. And when I teach them a simple ceremony to pull themselves out of the old place and, and put themselves in the new, it makes all the difference in the world. Yes. That's great. <laughs> it's it's amazing. This energy part of our lives that most of us most of us totally ignore. So okay. with all this in mind, is feng shui a science or is it a magic? Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely both uh, and an art too. Um, you know, there are some very magical qualities about feng shui, the Bagua map um, being one of those, which is uh, the alignment of um, how each area of your life falls within your home. And this, this Bagua map was created thousands of years ago and it's this alignment that comes out of the I Ching and the, um, it, I, I, you know, I, I teach this stuff. And so oftentimes when you teach things, you have to come up with like a really good explanation of it. <laughs> and right. and uh, <clears throat> I found that it's just magic. Well, you know, the Bagua map, let's talk about that. That thing fascinates me because it's so much like a medicine wheel uh, where it really aligns with the literal magnetic directions of the earth. Would you go into that a little bit for us? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> So different schools, excuse me, <clears throat> different schools of feng shui align it differently. And the Eastern versions <clears throat> align it with the, uh, with the compass directions, as you mentioned. But the more Western versions actually align it with how our human energy comes into the space. And so, which is interesting, it's, you know, different perspective, you know, based on the Eastern, you know, the Eastern ways and the versus the Western ways, we in the West are a little more egocentric, whereas the um, Eastern cultures are a little more earth centric. Uh, so it can be a bit confusing. This is actually a lot of times what leads people to get a feng shui book and then they, you know, or they have a couple of feng shui books and they say different things about how to align align the Bagua map and then they they give up and they either give up or they give up and hire a feng shui consultant <laughs> the latter yeah that was always confusing to me because in 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 the um uh shamanic practice we align everything with the earth itself and mm-hmm. the Bagua map works very well that way so if i align the Bagua map with the um energetic uh, you know, the, the ley lines, are not the ley lines, but the magnetic lines of the planet, yeah. and then decorate according to that, or not decorate, but place according to that, 
it's it's congruent with my practice. However, mm-hmm. I've read some other books where they say, no, 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 you align it with the doorway. Yeah. How do you walk into the room? And I'm yeah. going, huh? This doesn't right. align. <laughs> but that works for people that think more that way, do you suppose? Yeah, you know, it's it's this is an ongoing debate within the feng shui community. Um, <clears throat> you know, what I found is you, you, you go with the one that resonates with you the most. And obviously with your shamanic trainings, that's the one that resonates with you the most. And and you go with it, and that's how you do it. Um, <clears throat> I prefer the the more Western version of of the human energy in the doorway, um, because I think I think in in my opinion in feng shui our human energy has gotten um, th- has been downplayed, and uh, as far as our energy in the home, uh, the human energy in the home, <clears throat> I think uh, our human mind and our human energy has. Um, it's just is this really important to take into consideration? And yet the Earth's energy, obviously, I mean, I can't can't downplay the Earth's energy either. <laughs> They're both pretty powerful in their own right. And so, you know, I tell people, you know, pick just pick one and go with it. You know, um, they're both right in some way. And uh, so, yeah. I found, and we're just about out of time in the segment, but I found that if you have a house that sits catty corner to the magnetic north, pick, picking the human way and aligning to the doorways just tends to work a little better. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. It could be a case by case situation. Yeah, yeah. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Well, we're going to have to take another break. Tricia and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. This is the science of magic. Your resource to altruistic professions of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world, thescienceofmagic.net. Join our forum to share your thoughts as we continue the adventure of co-creating new solutions, scienceofmagic.forums.com. Trisha and I will be back on the other side of this break to discuss corners, round things, and more feng shui, so don't go away. The Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School with great news, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or guest that's on your mind. You can bet you're not going to be the only one interested. Our guest this hour is Tisha Morris. She's a feng shui expert and author of Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. Her website, tishamorris.com. Tisha, we were talking about the Bagua, and it's just a fascinating thing, but I don't think we were clear enough for people that aren't educated in feng shui. What exactly is it, and how does it orient the energy in your house? So the Bagua map comes from uh, the I Ching. The I Ching is the kind of the the considered the oldest book ever written. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, it's kind of the Bible, so to speak. Um, it comes out of, of Taoism. And actually, the original I Ching, all it is is uh, lines uh, called trigrams. And uh, these trigrams, uh, later they became hexagrams, but the trigrams uh, in the I Ching is what the Bagua map actually is. And so it's a very, very, very old tool that has been passed out passed down for thousands of years and i think part of the magic of the bagua map is just that the the amount the amount it's been used over thousands of years gives it an extra dose of energy um (laughs) you know something's become part of our collective consciousness for so long it it tends to have a lot more power i think that's kind of the power of rituals because they've been used and for for so long all right, very well put. Now, if you put this thing down, orient it, whether you're orienting it to the, the passageways in the home, which would be to the person, or mm-hmm. to the magnetic uh, le- uh, lines of the planet, then it ge- it tells you exactly what part of your room represents what aspect. Is that correct? That's correct. So uh, the best, the easiest way I, I tell people is, so if you have your floor plan, and it's, it's mo- mainly used over a floor plan. It can be used over any space, though. It can be used over your desktop we use over in an individual room, any space. Uh, but so but we'll use for in our example, a floor plan and you just draw a big tic-tac-toe board over it. And uh, I, if you use the Western way, you would, uh, um, the bottom of the Bago map is, uh, would be usually if your door is on the front of the house, then that would be the bottom. And so if you're standing at your, your door, whatever um, your back left corner of the house is going to be your money corner. The back right of your house is going to be the love corner and and so forth. Uh, people can get a download of a Bagua map with the instructions on um, how to apply it um, if they sign up for my newsletter at my website, tishamorris.com. So that's an easy, fun fun thing, fun way to uh, get started. And I, it shows you where um, each of these areas of your life, money, love, health, career, children, um, friends, wisdom, family, all that good stuff. <laughs> so so yeah. then what, once you get that established, then what's with all the little charms and mirrors we often associate with the practice? Yeah, so those are called cures or remedies. And um, those are our little Band-Aids we use <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I don't use them that much. <laughs> um but what I find, you know, once you have this this bagua over your your space, let's say let's say you're being challenged right now with love, or like, or, or that's an that's an area that's up for you right now, and so you would look and see what's in your love corner, and the first thing I recommend people is what can you clear out? This is where the clutter comes in. That's the first step of feng shui, is what's blocking blocking that area, and it could be anything from a literally a large piece of furniture that's like blocking like the doorway that's, or like it's creeping over the entrance to where there's like a literal block or it could be something a l- little bit harder to find like a like a letter from your ex that's in your nightstand <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, it can really run the gamut of where our blocks it's, which is really our shadows um can can uh, are, are located that are blocking something for us and so seeing if there's anything you can clear out and then and then seeing what you might be able to add to energize that area. So, um, for example, if it is the love corner, then you you might add a rose quartz. You might add um, you might add a plant. Anything that's living, kind of living energy, brings energy. Anything that brings good chi. Also, what brings really good energy is items that we associate with 
with love or, or um, uh, for example, if it's um, <clears throat> a picture that you love that, well, actually I'm looking at a picture in where I'm sitting right across me, it says, I love you. That's um, very appropriate. <laughs> um, and so being very conscious of, of what's in that, in that space and making sure it all, um, it all, it's really about bringing consciousness to your space and really. So do you have to use particular things to represent the directions um, or the areas or is the meaning that they hold for the personal person, the more important? I believe the more personal, the better. So what one person puts in their love corner might be totally different than what the next person does. That's right. Yes. Um, There are some, there are some, things though across the board that you don't want to do. Um, you don't want to have things representing the number one or the number three. Um, for example, artwork with a single woman or artwork with three women. <coughs> These are going to bring in uh, the, the ones is going to keep you single. If, if, if you're looking for a relationship, the threes is going to bring in a potential third party or you're going to be a third party to someone else's relationship or it could be a third party in terms of uh, work um, or some or some kind of other um, uh, something that comes in between your relationship. So even numbers in a relationship corner? That's right. <clears throat> okay. So how about your money corner? What do you have to watch out for there? Um, again, anything that might be blocking you. Um, so anything, uh, again, clutter, is this, is this is where clutter comes in. Uh, clutter being anything from the past that's not no longer representing the kind of work or money that you're you're doing now. <laughs> so if you if you have something in that corner that represents um, an old job that is no longer worthwhile, uh, that, that, that it doesn't serve you anymore, or an old profession, say yes. for instance, if you hang a, 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 a certificate up that you aren't using anymore, that wouldn't be a good thing. That's exactly right. It's so funny how we we can kind of trick ourselves. Even sometimes, like awards that we think are great, can actually keep us stuck in the past. Um, uh, if because we can even like good things can kind of keep us anchored into the past. If we consider it kind of like the good old days or or the best the best the best days have come and gone, uh, that's really going to keep us from from re- uh, creating new new positive memories. Um, so yeah, and it comes up a lot in work and work um, situations. If you still have a certificate or whatever for, for best salesman, you know, 1998, and you're now in a completely different field and and and, and job, and and you're still kind of hanging on to that that you know your heyday, that's going to keep you anchored to the past. Yes, uh, isn't that fascinating? Because we we tend to do that. We tend to try to hang on to things that were milestones for us, yes. and yet it's holding us back. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and you know it doesn't always have to hold us back. You know, obviously our our accomplishments and achievements are you know should be stepping stones to bigger, better things down the road. They're all kind of a you know provide a a mosaic of you know where we are now if you use it and see it in that light. But some people, you know, I'm a cancer sign, so I can easily get stuck in the past. Um, being nostalgic. And so sometimes you have to be careful to make sure that you're not viewing uh, these things from the past as uh, as an anchor. So yeah. Interesting. So say you say you have um, your house decorated in such a way that in your love corner, you, you've got threes going on. Is there a way to correct that without without changing things that you can't, you don't really want to change? <laughs> say you have that picture, say you have that picture up and you've got the three women in it. What would you do with that if you couldn't move it? I would definitely take it down. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's out of here, right? <laughs> I've just seen a personal experience and from clients. I just don't – something that I just don't take a chance with anymore. <laughs> it's that strong, huh? Yeah. You know, it's the subconscious mind, too. Uh, now, you know, there's, there's, especially with artwork. Artwork is like, you know, subliminal messages that, we, that we're seeing all, all the time. And uh, – uh, yeah, so artwork particularly is very, very powerful. So why do you think we're so stuck with clutter? Why are we so plagued with it? Well, I think it touches on what we were saying earlier about our emotions. And um, and what I find is as soon as someone can really acknowledge what 
what emotions that the object has for them, then it's pretty easy to let it go. So once again, it's, it's energy management of your own energy, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's never about the object per se. It's about what it represents or the, the story that it holds, the emotions that, that have been projected onto it. And so if it's an object that you're struggling with, I really recommend just start asking yourself a bunch of questions. You know, what was going on in my, on in my life when I received it or bought it or purchased it or got it? Um, who does it remind me of? What stories does it remind me of? And you'll really quickly get to the root of it. So, so I'm sorry, do you suggest examining each piece that you're going to keep in your environment with that set of questions? Well, any object, you know, when you're doing some, when doing some purging, some items are really easy. You don't think twice about it. And there's other. Oh, areas. you know, it's hard to believe, but we're out of time, Tricia. Uh-huh. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. And folks, you go to her website at, um, uh, uh, TriciaMorris.com and she's got all sorts of goodies there for you. Our guest has been Tricia Morris, feng shui expert and author of Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. This has been the Science of Magic. Join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you declutter your life. <laughs>